The bottom line is you're going to be with a whole lot of opinionated students. They're going to walk in saying, well, my dad says, or my mom says, and it will be your task to pull all of this together in some way. In the next few weeks, Lord willing, you will once again be together with students. They may or may not be wearing masks, and hopefully they wash their hands a little better. There may be the smell of Germex in the air, but the way things look like right now, you'll likely be together with students again this fall in some sort of live instruction. What a gift. As you go back to school, though, it's important to realize that the last four to five months haven't exactly been normal for your students either. They've seen their parents and their relatives and their moms and dads and their brothers and sisters talking and wrestling and debating and commenting about what our world has been experiencing. They've seen a whole variety of responses to what's been happening in the world and in our nation. And when they enter your classroom, they're going to bring all of those opinions and beliefs and facts and ideas with them into the classroom. All of your community will be in this tight, confined space with you. It will be your job to manage all the conversations and all the comments students make. And you've got to do this without offending, without breaking the trust that you need to work with. Because trust is one of the most important commodities that a teacher has in their classroom. So what I want to explore in the next few minutes is this. How should teachers respond to all the varied comments and conversations that are going to come into the classroom with them this fall? And I think the key question is this. What is my role as a teacher in the midst of all the conflicting ideas that will be in my classroom? And I think the answer is this. Your job, your role, is what all effective teachers do, whether they're teaching math or history or science or English in any of the other subjects. The job of a teacher is to provide context, to frame the subject matter that you're teaching. Framing is helping your students understand the big story, the big picture, the ultimate reality. It's how you help them see why their learning matters. Framing is the idea of giving students a lens that they look through when they look at the world because when we're left to look at the world ourselves, the Bible says that we will lean on our own understanding and it won't be right. We should question our own understanding. So what will be important this next year for you in your classroom is for you to provide students with the frame, the context, that will help classroom discussions be productive and kind. You'll need to do this framing early, on the first or second day of school, done in an age-appropriate way, that will provide something of the, the benchmark or the foundation for how your classroom will discuss opinions and ideas. And I think the framework that you provide in the early days of school, that framework is best expressed through a New Testament passage and an Old Testament story. So I want to look at those two pieces the, the passage in the uh, New Testament, the story of the Old Testament, to provide something of the frame that you're going to give to your students when they come into your classroom with all of their opinions and ideas and thoughts about COVID or any of the other things that have been happening in our country. So first of all, the New Testament passage, and it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, 
2 and 3, where Paul says this. Now, about food sacrifice to idols, or Paul could have said, now about COVID, and then he continues this way. Now, about COVID, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. Too much focus on knowing the right answers will lead to conflict and division in our classrooms. Instead of just focusing on ideas and knowledge, we should focus instead on love, on loving people. And while teachers are often looked to as knowers, our students come into the classroom and want to know what we know about something, we should first be known for our love, love towards those who are suffering, love towards those who we may disagree with. My, my call for you as teachers is this. Don't walk into the classroom this fall trying to know everything that there is to be known about COVID. You'll spend all your day tracing down news article after news article and video after video. Don't make that the focus of your classroom. Instead, Paul calls us to make the focus how we love people. What does this love look like in our classrooms? What I would suggest is this. Call students in every action, in every conversation, in every thought, in every interaction, to make sure that they extend grace, that they extend compassion, that they extend kindness, long-suffering, patience, and gentleness. Love is the highest law. The first way we frame to our students about how we talk about contentious issues is that our highest goal is not knowing the right answer about COVID. It's not knowing the right answer about every news uh, event that happens. Instead, it's whether we respond in love towards those who are involved in that in some way or to those who may we, we may disagree with um, in some way. Model perfect love as a teacher this fall. Don't worry so much about modeling perfect knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Love focuses on others. It builds up. That's the New Testament passage. Now, the Old Testament story is the story of Joseph. And I'd like to tell the story of Joseph in two different ways to illustrate how we can use this story to frame our discussions about COVID in the classroom. The first way to tell the story is to tell the story of a young man who found himself in a crisis. His brothers hated him, threw him in a pit. He was almost killed, and at the last moment he was enslaved. He was taken off into a foreign country where he was tempted. He was assaulted. He was framed by a lady, where he, then he was thrown into a prison. After his imprisonment, uh, where he had no connection with his family and no connection with his friends, stuck in a foreign land where he didn't know the language, after his imprisonment, uh, he found his way up through the echelons of power and eventually saved his family. It's really rather a depressing story. You could wonder, did Joseph ever sit around and ask himself, why is this happening? Why did I have to go through all this bad just to get to some end? Now, the other way to tell the story is the way that it's been taught to me, and it goes like this. Joseph is the story of a person who God chose to solve a major problem. See, the problem was that the nation of Israel wasn't a nation yet. They were a family, a tribe, a fairly large group, but not big enough to take over the land of Canaan yet. 
They were small, so small that if they weren't careful, they would intermarry and God's plan to bring a great nation would fizzle out right in the land of Canaan. And so God needed a secret agent to infiltrate a global power. And he chose Joseph to be that secret agent who snuck into Egypt. His cover was as a slave. Snuck into Egypt, worked in a home when another secret agent attacked. And this secret agent attacked, tried to get Joseph to fall, and so Joseph had to take on another cover. And he became a prisoner, uh, where he was undercover as a prisoner. And then God created a way for him to come out of prison in such a way that after the famine or during the famine, he was able to invite his family to Egypt. And it was in Egypt where God actually grew the nation of Israel. You can look at this in Genesis 46, verse 3, where God talked to Jacob about coming to Egypt and said, it's okay, because that's where I'm going to grow the nation. What I wanted you to note about the second story is this. It's the same events happening to the same person. But in the second telling, we're keeping in mind that God is doing something. Even when it feels like things are going backwards, even when it feels like bad things are happening, God is actually at work. He's getting His mission accomplished in the world. So, the framing you need to do for your students during this school year is to get them to think about the story that is behind the story. Instead of focusing on the bad story, COVID, need to wear masks, people being sick, some dying, we should ask, get them to ask, what might God be doing? Because even in these days, God is doing something. He's moving His plan forward. And your students need to see themselves their families and their churches as Joseph's. People that God is doing. They're surrounded by trials, but they're living as people of integrity, wondering what God might be doing with their lives. And so create a classroom where students are asking, what might God be doing these days? And how can I be a part of what God is doing? If they ask those questions instead of asking, why is this happening to me? It will shift the tenor of the conversations in our classrooms. So the teacher students, the pandemic is not about me. It's not about us. It's not only about what's happening to me. The question is, what God, might God be doing in our world through this pandemic? It's okay to grieve. It's okay to say that this event brings hurt or it brings discomfort. But it might also be something God is using to open up doors. I have a friend who lives in New York City, and what I understand is during these times of COVID, it has opened up doors of opportunity for their church to reach out. So from their vantage point, COVID actually is a way forward for God's kingdom to advance, while many students could come into your classroom grumbling and complaining. So telling the story from a different vantage point, getting students to ask the right questions will be powerful this fall to make sure that our classrooms are places of life. So I want to summarize and sort of distill what I've said. I've said two things. When you frame how you're going to talk about COVID this fall, do it in two ways. Call your students to love. You can tell them, even if they're first graders. You know, we hear a lot of things, and I'm sure many of them are true. But hearing and knowing is not the ultimate good as believers. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is, am I interacting with love? Am I showing love to people I disagree with? Am I willing to be submissive? Do I love by being considerate and thoughtful? That's the way we're going to do it in our classroom. We're always going to talk with love. 
The second thing you tell your students is, when we talk about bad things, we're going to ask ourselves, what might God be doing? Instead of always saying, why is this happening to me? Get them to ask, is there anything good here? Might there be something positive that God is doing in the world? So our primary duty is to love. Our primary allegiance is to God's kingdom and what God is doing in the world. And when this happens in our classrooms, when we can have these sorts of conversations with our students, then the conflict and the chaos and the need to explain and to disagree and to defend government actions or to lash out against government actions, those things can all fade somewhat into the background. Instead, we can love and we can wonder what God might be doing. So if you establish this framework on the first day of school, on the second day of school, to your students, have a conversation. They're going to come into the classroom talking about their experiences in the last four months. Have a little devotional. Maybe you're a principal of a school. Maybe it should be a school assembly. And talk to your students and think about how am I going to frame the events so this doesn't just become a session of complaining, of sharing all of our views and ideas and creating this, this tense environment at school where students feel uh, the need to defend exactly how they view it. Instead, shift the conversation, frame it in a way, and then ask your students, tell them that's the way we're going to talk about this in our school. As you return to your classrooms this fall, the way you frame this issue is an opportunity that we have been given, that's been given to us, it's been given to us by God, to model a godly response to disruption, pain, and disagreement. These will be constants in our students' lives. They will grow up in a world where there, people disagree with them, even Christian people disagree with them. They'll grow up in a world where there's hurt, where there's disease. And the way we walk with our students through this, modeling love, as being more important than knowing all the facts and modeling a wonder, uh, a desire to know what God is doing in these days. This is something that we can offer as a gift to our students during these hard times. So rise to the moment, model love and excitement for the story that God is writing. And may God bless you.